best of those who were last and are now first. afternoon and good evening and uh and like that you are about to start listening to today is right now this minute is six minutes and one minute six hours and one minute <laughs> old anyway you're about to start listening to sitting with jan luca here at radio free brooklyn and i am jan luca i will be sitting with you till 7 p.m this wednesday and i want to thank you first of all i really want to thank uh people that wrote in congratulating me and uh, and just saying nice things about uh, my special on New Orleans that I did last week. I made a case about New Orleans being the centre of all black urban music, that if you follow all black urban music from funk, uh, house music, hip-hop, rap, anything, you will end up in New Orleans either with the post-war R&B or the Mardi Gras Indians that do funky beats and rhythms or um, jazz, of course. So anyway, that was my thing. I spent an hour trying to state my case and I want to thank anyone that fed back to me for your feedback. Anyway, this Wednesday, I'm not going to do that. This Wednesday, sitting with me this Wednesday is the great Tommy James, Radio Free Brooklyn host of Sally Can't Dance on Thursdays. Fridays. Thursdays. Oh, is it every Fridays? Thank you. It's every Friday at... I just I just rescheduled you. Do you mind? That's fine. Okay, cool. <laughs> I gave you a better time slot, man. Um, so, Fridays, 5 p.m., and Tommy is with me in the studio, sitting with me in the studio. We're going to be talking about music, 80s music particularly. We both have the same ag- accent, been to the same cruddy places and some not so cruddy places. And we're going to talk about 80s music and this, that and the other. So, Tommy, thank you for joining me and thank you for sitting with me this afternoon. Well, thank you for inviting me. Yeah. It's been great, and uh, this has been a long time coming, actually, because yeah, our, our conversations become quite unique, yeah. I would say. Yes. In many respects, and it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, finally, we're here. We, 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 we hatched, we, we hatched uh, after a few beers, we hatched this plan to talk about 80s music for good and for bad, because there's an 80s revival. And uh, But before we get there, though, yeah. I want to talk a little bit, because you... Um, well, first of all, I want to talk about Sally Can't Dance, because yeah. you... So, tell me your manifesto of Sally Can't Dance. Like, what... The way you... Because you're really very, very eclectic, and what you're trying to... What's your centre of gravity? What's your idea be, behind Sally Can't Dance? Well, it starts with everything that I love, of course, yeah. which begins with punk rock. Right. Um, and it's a collage, and everything's just basically cobbled together. There's no script, and it just ranges from um, everything right through from early jazz and blues, right through to punk rock, acid house, local bands, and, you know, whatever I feel that I'm feeling on the day. 
Yeah. I generally talk about absolutely nothing. Yeah. And uh, do you mind if I put my shades on? You can put your shades on. Because it's I was thinking about the, the 80s thing, and it's a kind of orange in here, and I've just... <laughs> is, is that better? Yeah, you look just like flock of seagulls. Yeah. No, I was thinking more like... Uh, Psychedelic furs coming in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I give you psychedelic furs. Sorry, that no. was insulting the flock of seagulls. You can throw something at me if you wish. But the idea of, yeah. of psychedelics was because I do DJ live for a living. And, you know, in doing that, I was also a singer in a rock and roll band. So I'm trying to, I kind of mix those two things together. And the Tommy James that's on Sally Can't Dance isn't really me. It's just an extension of me. So, you know, it's it's somewhere between Alan Partridge and uh, Bono in 1985. Ah. So when you hear the, the, the crowd, the yeah. crowd gets bigger every week. I've got a fake live studio, I shouldn't know, a real live studio audience, and it grows. It started off with about 30 people. Now it's about 900. Oh, my goodness. So it's, you know, it's growing. And my ego is becoming, bless you, is becoming bigger and bigger every show. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, congrats. Well, it's a really good listen anyway. I'm a listener uh, uh, on most weeks, as a matter of fact, and uh, I will recommend it to anyone listening. Thank you. It's a a mighty fine listen. uh, But, you know, we should also talk about, uh, uh, before we start talking about the 80s decade, um, you were, what were you doing in the 80s? We should play something immediately from your band. So just tell us uh, uh, what you were doing, what your band was, and a little bit like present a song that we're going to play and just tell us or tell me what what it is uh, and yeah, what well, you were doing then. I was, you know, making records from the early 80s at a very young age and uh, we did our first recording session in a, in a place called Cargo Studios, mm. which is where Geordie Vision came out of in Salford, Manchester. But um, during the 80s, there was, a, there was a desert musically. So really my band was more a... Uh, a product of the early 90s. So um, my band in the early 90s was called Love's Young Nightmare, and uh, which we did, which we basically morphed into Freaks of Desire, which yeah. was more mid to late 90s, which is when we came to America. So, um, so Love's Young Nightmare was a heavy touring band, very earnest, very honest, yeah. clean, and the Freaks became this very dark, almost... Um, sadistic um, form of electronic rock and roll before it really was uh-huh. anything. Because you're talking what? Uh, you said early 90s, right? Like early 90s, Late yeah. 80s, early, early yeah. 90s? We were, we were called Pioneers of Brick Pop. So we were around just before Oasis uh-huh. and Suede and all that kind of thing. And we, were, we would be playing with all those kind of bands like Jesus Jones and yeah. uh, Wonder Stuff. That was, that was kind of our thing. Oh, so, all right. Yeah, and we did our, um, we we're very fortunate to be able to work with people like Martin Russian, who was one of my producer's heroes, who produced The Stranglers, Buzzcocks, yeah. and Human League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no longer with us, right? No, away. unfortunately not. Ah, okay. He's a great man. Uh, I think he did the birthday party too. He did, and he was also uh, the Tony Visconti's engineer for a lot of the Bowie stuff and a lot, yeah. of, a lot of Mark Bowen T-Rex. Oh, right. Things too. And, but, you know, his baby was really the Stranglers. Yeah. And, and of course, Human League later on, but the Stranglers was his thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, no, he's known for that, but he was a, a very versatile because he made a... Oh, well, we should play... 
we're going to have to play something of his now. But yeah. let's, let, let's play something uh, from your band then. Well, so pick good, something, yeah. This a song that they're called Goodbye June? Yeah. Well, that's a Martin production Russian. That's probably like 1991. Oh. 1991. All right, let's play that one. Let's see if this works. Okay.
Oh, yes, that's the sound of the crowd there by the Human League. Preceding that was... Uh, what was preceding that? I completely forgot. What did I play, Tommy? You played uh, Big Area by Dan Jericho, which <laughs> was did, also yes. a Martin Russian <laughs> choice. Oh, which, that's where which we were. you could have played The Stranglers, The Buzzcocks, Generation X. Yeah. But you chose Dan Jericho, which actually... As we're talking about the eighties, segued perfectly. They were right? one of those bands that were actually really good. Yes, in the bad part of the eighties. Oh wait, wait, stick a pin in it right now because in case anyone's just turned on, I have to tell them that they're okay. listening. What's going on? They're Go listening to two, two, two people with funny accents talk. Yeah. Well, one person with a funny accent that would be you. <laughs> and uh, thanks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm if you, not, I, I'm not sure that just, it's just me that's got the funny accent right here now. Like, I just can't even play shows. Yeah, I can't play spine either. But, no, but I'm, you know, I'm from North, you see. You're from, I'm, oh, I'm that's from right. North, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, this bears some. If you've just tuned in, you are about 20 something minutes through into sitting with Jan Luca here at Radio Free Brooklyn. Um, uh, sitting with me is, um, is, uh, <laughs> Sally can't dance impresario there, Tommy James. Uh, you know. Fridays, 5 p.m. Yeah. Um, and we are talking about the 80s. I have to also say that Radio Free Brooklyn is a community station, which means we're completely broke. Aren't we broke? Completely broke, Tommy, aren't we? Flat, Absolutely nothing. Brassic, we are. No. We, Lights. You know, I'd be great. Look, these headphones are just like, there's only, I'm, I've only got one side. <laughs> They're paper clips and chewing gum, right? I know, right. And uh, I'm sitting on a stool with like two legs. Absolutely. Two legged school balancing. Yes. That's how little money we've it got. Is. But, um, yeah. I've got holes in my socks. And, and he's got holes in his, oh, in one socks, can't afford the other socks. Yeah, he's right. making a down payment on that. That's how little money we have. So we but need your okay. help. We, we, we've got ourselves. We, we will. We've got them. our listeners that donate. Yes. And you can do so. By the way, it's also tax deductible. So you get your money back from Uncle Sam. And um, you can donate on the Radio Free Brooklyn website. There is any number of buttons and stuff that you can click and uh, and just, part with. Anything just, will do, right? Just send no. us socks. Send us socks. <laughs> send Tommy. Well, send uh, send <laughs> one sock to Tommy because he can only afford one. And uh, I need a pair because I can't afford either. But there's any ways of doing that on the RadioFreeBrooklyn.com website. Um, and you, they double, us, double up as pop shields. And they uh, double up. Oh, the socks. Is the, yeah. <laughs> and the socks Straight double up. Then. And shrapnel double up as, as a Con Edison bill. <laughs> So, so if you've got a few coins, drop it in the bucket. Nothing too small, certainly nothing too big. And thank you in advance. And also there's like clicks about how you can get in touch with Tommy and how you can get in touch with me, the Instagrams, uh, emails and all, all the rest of it. And uh, we are talking about the 80s. And we played three songs by Martin Rushant, who's a fantastic, pro- well, he, he's sort of a, a, had a quite a long career through the 70s and the 80s, and he sort of designed the sound of the 80s, didn't he? You, yeah. you knew him, right? Yeah, we, we worked with him for a you know good amount of weeks, maybe eight, nine weeks, at his, mm. his studio called Genetic. Okay. Which was just outside of Reading, actually, in a, in a village called Goring. Mm. And this studio, I guess he built it on the, on the back of his success with people like the Stranglers, Buzzcocks, Generation X. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a, probably our first... They used to have things called residential studios and they used to go and stay there. Yeah. And it was a fantastic thing. And yeah, he he was um had some great Mark Boland stories. And um 
Oh, what? Did he produce? He didn't produce Mark. He was, Mark, he was Tony Visconti's engineer. Oh, on the Mark Boland record? Yeah, so he had some good stuff. But he had good stories about everybody, and I think we created some more when we were with him. But, we, you know, it's one of those producers we learned a lot from. So, oh, go on. Yeah. Um, no, because 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 my question then then was um, so we heard three well, Human League, then Jericho. You did the Stranglers. You did you guys. You did birthday, uh, happy birthday, happy birthday. What, I altered the, images. Altered images. Thank altered you. Images. you did all, that was a low point. Um, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, well, but still, he was a he, he he was he was. What I'm saying is, it's a good sounding record, and he was comfortable in punk and pop, yeah, and electronica. Like he knew how to. He 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 wasn't stuck in a one sound producer like some. I mean, you know, without you know. Uh, Martin, the Human League, would be still in Sheffield making records like being boiled on fast records. And mm. Martin really invented that whole really highly produced analogue sound, which so many bands have, 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 have been influenced by. Oh, um, yeah. So do you think the uh, the Human League that we just heard, is that the sound of Martin Russian's brain? Is absolutely. That, oh, he dressed it. So what did they sound like before, do you think? It was, it was just, it was very lo-fi, um, almost like a, a, a poppier throbbing gristle. Oh. That kind of thing, you know, that industrial, the, the beginnings of industrial yeah, yeah, music. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And Martin was able to, he also had a lot of respect in the, in the music industry because he'd, he'd had so many hit records and they gave him carte blanche to pretty much produce how he wanted. Oh, no, no, right. No one would turn around to Martin and say, go back and remix that. He'd be like, you know, get out of here. No, it was amazing. Oh, because he had good pedigree. By the time he broke through with the Stranglers, yeah. he already had good pedigree because he'd made the he'd been with Tony Visconti and made all those uh, uh, T Rex or enge- he was engineering at that point and wasn't producing yet. Uh, produced those uh, T Rex albums. So by the time he started producing, after having a hit with the Stranglers, he was actually also an, uh, working in A and R for, for United Artists Records. So oh. He was actually an A and R person. He was a talent scout. All right, A and R for people that don't know what that is. Yeah. is Talent scout. So he was <laughs> he was finding these bands and going to watch them, and then being allowed to actually go and produce them. So uh-huh. he knew the whole spectrum. Oh right! And in doing so, he was able to create this sound. So you hear these Stranglers records, and they're absolutely produced into them. Everything's in the red. Uh, yeah, yeah. Buzzcocks, Peter Shelley, the way that he was able to produce his vocals in such a dry fashion with very very few effects. And and right up to the point where the Human League came along, and which was, of course, his probably his biggest commercial success. Right. And then, of course, everybody wanted to work with him and started paying him like so much money, which has unfortunately became his downfall. Um, that human. So, did he produce the one that probably everyone remembers? Is "Don't You Want Me"? Is that yeah, one of his? Pro- oh, that's that. his production. That's too. Martin. So, oh, so they would still be in. <laughs> yes, interesting. He was very, yeah. very good producer. Produ- very, Sheff- very. Pro- pro- yeah, pro- Sheffield's not a place to be stuck in. Sheffield. Well, you'd better explain that to people that don't know Sheffield. Right. I know Sheffield some, uh, sadly. But um, <laughs> well, the Arctic, well, mon- Arctic monkeys are from Sheffield. Yeah, but, I mean, you made your export. Uh, well, recent. Major yeah, export, right yeah. Now. But they also were very famous for making uh, knives and forks. Ah, okay. Yeah, Sheffield steel. Um, Judas famous. Priest album called Sheffield Steel. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, you know what we can play? What? Ah. All right, gonna, Judas Priest. No, 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 no. Not around here. Only good okay. music. Okay. Um, I know a band, the Sheffield band. Uh, talk amongst yourselves, listeners. 
<laughs> um, I know a Sheffield band from the 80s. I'm going to surprise you with this. Okay. Thing. This is this is how listeners know that I'm doing uh, that I'm doing uh, live radio because there's sort of silence and me trying to figure out how to work things and I do that deliberately because okay. if it's you know, if it's too smooth people think I'm this is all you pre-recorded see, and if stuff. So I, I don't dance, want that. I could have some canned laughter or I could like throw in something like yeah, yeah. walking and some gas. Yeah, not yeah, there, but no. Well, I I I uh, I uh, ordered the I ordered the dancing horses, but they haven't showed up yet because on the Radio Free Brooklyn budget we. Uh, there's no way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here's a Sheffield band okay. from the 80s. All right. That's, um, uh huh. Try to understand that sudden feeling carved by another's hand. Oh. But it's too late to hesitate. We can't keep on living like this.
Oh, yes. Heaven 17, Temptation. I love that song. What about what do you think, Tommy James? Great choice, yes. mate. Fantastic. You've been blowing my mind all the past 35 minutes, mate. <laughs> Thank you. There's a, there's, a, there's a check in the mail. A bouncy check is in the mail on socks. the way to you. At socks. At Thank sock. you. Well, just one of the socks. Yeah. I can't afford two. Exactly. Uh, um, but, uh, but, yeah, no, another Sheffield band. And Brilliant. there's a human lead connection because it was produced by one of the human leaguers. Was it? Yep. Uh, hmm. And I can't remember which one it was. Um, I, I was never a fan it of was it. One of the girls, was it? They were kind of a little bit. No. <laughs> well, it's cool how the girls got into Human League because yeah. he literally like, saw them in a club and said, want to be in a band? And they went, okay. I thought one of them was working a, as a waitress in a cocktail bar. Isn't that <laughs> part of the story? Yes, I heard that story, yeah. right? Yeah, I did okay. hear that story. So so I, I have a... I have a uh, I like the Human League now. I will have to say one of the things I hated about the 80s, hated what? about, is digital synthesizers. Although, really? the, yeah, yeah, I had a very hard time with synthesizers. Uh, it was the early days of digital technology, and it hadn't got there. Well, you know, the, it got there with the Human League, but a, a lot of the productions, especially if you're listening to sort of uh, the Spandaus and the... Uh, was just, it was very cheesy, very synthy. But and what do you think about Kraftwerk and their synthesizer? Do you count that as like... No, no, they, they, it's a, I have no idea, but that's how a synthesizer... I don't know why the 80s couldn't make their synthesizer sound as good as Kraftwerk did 10 years beforehand. What that? Well, it changed when it was, well, you know, synthesizer originally analogue-based uh, machines. Yeah. And then as the 80s progressed, you got these... Um, <laughs> Terrible things like called DX7s. Like right. DX7 was a, it was a Yamaha. Was it Roland I, DX7? Okay. And it was, the, the, there'd be one synthesizer would come out every like four to five months and everybody would use the same thing. Yeah. So unless you were going backwards and using things like a, a Prophet or a Mirage or something like that, everybody used the same sounds. And that's why it became really cheesy. Mm. And I, I, I know exactly that's what you're saying. Yeah, um, definitely because Kraftwerk, their synthesizer sounded no, great. No, that was not a DX7. That was <laughs> that was you know that was something else. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it was. Um, there wasn't that much equipment around, um, so that's why there wasn't samples either, really, as such. You know, like now we we you, know, you or you only had a limited amount of sounds, or you would you know, and uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a different thing, and I think it was I think that whole. Um, era from about 83 up until when uh, Acid House hit England in right. 88 mm -hmm. was a musical desert and it was weird seeing it from a point of view that when you were in a band bands that were getting signed weren't even doing shows they, they were not doing shows they were do, they, you would do a showcase mm. and all the record labels would come down and see you and mm. you'd be in a nice studio. You'd be in the most expensive studio your manager could afford to put you in. Oh, like a rehearsal studio. Yeah, 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 yeah Like yeah. Nomis and all yeah. these different places. And they'd come down and you you hadn't played a show. And they'd be giving you hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pounds. Yeah. And you, you'd written three songs. And, you know, for me and my band, we just couldn't get signed for like eight years Ow. during that whole period. And there was no, there was no real indie scene as well. Because Smiths had broken up. Yeah, I guess technically the only indie bands were really Depeche Mode and The Cure, who were still part of Mute and, and Fiction Records. Um, but there was there was no underlying lying, uh, indie scene. It was all mainstream. Everybody wanted to sound like Simple Minds. Everybody wanted to oh. sound like 
I think it was like a third generation copy of something. That's so interesting. So the industry, yeah. it, was, it was a whole yuppie generation. It was, you know, it was, wasn't dissimilar to what was going on in Silicon Valley now, where uh-huh. it's just like you've got these people just buying into ideas that were never really fully fulfilled. So this money was just going out to all these yeah. you know, huge recording studios and stylists and videos. And oh, that. that's interesting. So most of the bands that we would listen to, have listened to in the 80s up until, say, 84 to 88, which I think the dates that you said would, were <laughs> rarely did, hardly played out at yeah, all. They we look pretty at, much straight to tape. Think about bands like Cutting Crew and Johnny yeah. Hates Jazz Oof. and all these kind of things, you know, Swing Out Sister. Yeah. They were never played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was one band <laughs> by uh, Tony James, no relation, Seek Seek Sputnik. Yes, that was a friend of mine. <laughs> yes, that was a brilliant idea. Uh, we're getting off track, actually, so well, I'm going to uh, rope it back into the 80s. But um, how did, when you recorded with that Martin Russian, yeah. um, how did you stay then, did you stay at his place in yeah. Reading? Ah, okay. So yeah. how, how long did, how quickly did it work? What was his working process? It was, um, we, I think we originally did like, we were, we're Book for three weeks with him, mm-hmm. and then it um, we, we extended. He, yeah. he he liked our band, so he started to give, give us more studio time. That was after he'd done the Human League and the this three was, tracks that we yeah heard we're talking about nineteen ninety ninety one yeah. And um, funny enough, things were really going wrong for him about that time, and so we'd walk into the um, into our the, the the little guess place we were staying, and suddenly the washing machine was gone. I'm like, where's the washing machine? And it's like, oh, they, you know, they took it. Oh. And so things had started to go, you know, started to go down. But he, yeah, he was fantastic. He was, really was. And, uh, yeah, we greatly missed. Super greatly missed. Um, t- so there's a connection between you. We should play something by the Eurythmics, right? Yeah, Dave Stewart. Uh, yeah. yeah, Dave Stewart. Let's play something, because out of all the 80s bands, uh, the problem with the 80s, well, let's define it for a second. There's okay. two eighties. You'd say from eighty four to eighty eight uh, uh, as being a fallow point. I think I might have to agree with you. Up to eighty four, yeah. it was still um, it was a tail end of post punk. Who did we have in eighty four? In your uh, pre eighty four, you mean? Yeah. Well, it was the final echoes, maybe, of Nick Lowe and Elvis Costello. They were kind of the dying embers of that. They were, I think, the Pretenders were still doing some oh, yeah. quite good stuff. The Blockheads, the Blockheads, the Blockheads. They hadn't split up yet, right? So they were still around. So it was the dying embers of of post punk, and it was the. We, the early... we still have the jam. We still have the jam. Well, that was that was Style Council, actually. No, that was later. Style Council was later. Ooh. Well, yeah, we're having a chrono- chrono- chronological crisis we here, are. right? The Sacrilite Furs had kind of blown it. Yeah, the, but the Clash had already imploded by that point. We, they were yeah. re- releasing that Drek. That uh, was terrible. Uh, they, that was awful, yeah. You yep. hear in uh, European discos to this day. Really? Uh, yeah, Rock the Casbah and all those. We should not, let's let's not lower the tone too much. Okay. I don't want people switching off their radios. <laughs> but throughout it all, probably through that whole decade, the Eurythmics were consistently a tight band. Yeah. Wouldn't you say uh, they all their records were really good? That was, yeah, that was... Um, that was Dave's, yeah. They just kept churning that stuff out. Uh, I'm going to, this is to me where they, I remember seeing this tour and it was phenomenal. Really? Probably. Yeah. The, the, well, I'm going to play the missionary man off. uh, Oh, here, just, I'm just going to play it. Here it is. Let's see if this works.
Well, the Eurythmics here uh, at Sitting with Jan Luca here at Radio Free Brooklyn. I will be with you till 7 p.m. Sitting with me is, uh, is, let me turn this off, is Tommy James. <laughs> uh, hello. Hello. Radio host for Sally Can't Dance, Fridays, 5 p.m. Till 7. 
five till seven. Let me turn your mic up. Uh, yeah, Thank me, you. Yeah, okay. okay Maybe I should just move a little bit closer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Either or. But, um, but yeah, five till seven. Two hours of smashing music. And, and musician, 80s musician. Who, who, who got... Wait, did you get... So, Eurythmics. So, Dave Stewart. I want to get back to the yeah. Eurythmics for a second. Because they really... I mean, it was Dave Stewart's sort of... Uh, he, he was the, the brain behind it. And to me, that's one band that really... Really, he was even good in the tourists pre Eurythmics. Yeah. Um, but from Eurythmics, pretty much all their albums, they didn't really have any valleys. They were very, very good. There's a connect. You knew Dave Stewart, right? Well, d- yeah, Dave time. signed my band. Uh, my band, Love Young, Love's Young Nightmare, yeah. um, became Freaks of Desire under the wing of Dave Stewart. And Dave had a label called Anxious Records, mm. um, which was actually part of East West, which is part of Warner's Atlantic, I should say. And he had bands like Curve. Do you remember Curve? Tony Halliday, Alan Mulder, who was responsible yeah. for Nine Inch Nails and all this kind of... Yeah. So Dave signed us, liked us. And, um, yeah, we he, he took us under his wing and we virtually lived in his studio in Crouch End called The Church, uh-huh. um, which was a 17th century church which was never consecrated. Um, apparently, it was... Um, run by a pastor who was um, worshipping all kinds of weird things like angels and demons. Oh, yeah. And he was hung oh, straight outside. Oh, and you're going back to the 1600s, 1700s. 1700s, oh, yes. yeah. So, okay, anyway, yeah, yeah, I could yeah, go yeah. on about this, but Dave had all these <laughs> weird stories about it, and I'm not even sure half of them are true. But what is yeah. true is that he used to live in a, in a squat across from the church before he converted the place into two Class A studios, with film editing, rehearsal studios, all kinds of demoing facilities. He went in there when Annie and him were broke and dating and basically rented a room for about £50 for the month and they took a a reel-to-reel into that room and they wrote and produced Sweet Dreams. And with that, on on the strength of that, they bought the whole place. Oh, yeah, that was a massive hit. Yeah, yeah, they brought it by the whole whole church, fixed it up, put a roof on it. Yeah. And have people like me in the studio uh, running around for yeah, 10 years. Because he produced a lot of bands that that he produced that he's not kind of known for producing, right, at the time. I mean, he's known for being the eurythmic songwriter, guitar player and producer, among other yeah, things. Yeah, I mean, but the other thing was that people don't really know about him but this is the church. I mean, we would be uh, recording right next to My Bloody Valentine. I mean, Loveless was finished there. Oh, right. Um, that was about the time that we were there. Radiohead finished... Um, Okay, computer there. Ah, okay. Um, oh, no kidding. And I would get knocks me. on the door on the demo and I'd be like, who's this? And he's like, it's it's Lou. I'm like, Lou who? He'd be like, Lou Reed. Oh, that guy. I'm like, you've got to go around the front, mate. He's <laughs> like, okay. Well, that's the wrong accent, obviously. But no, seriously, like that, yeah. it was crazy. People would just park the cars, Mick Jagger's there, Paul McCartney, whoever, yeah. Bob Dylan, right. all walking down the street. It was weird. Oh, yeah, he did a few chats with Bob Dylan. He, he, oh, there's that wonderful. So, you know, Bob Dylan likes to, um, when he's tours, he likes to get out and go for a walk at yes, night. Yes, I do that. Right? I do so, know that, So he yeah. puts on a hoodie. But anyway, he, he was in London. And yeah, because him and Dave Stewart is are quite close. Yeah. Uh, so Bob Dylan actually wanted to visit Dave Stewart. He in, did. In, in Crouch End. Yeah, it, but. It's the whole myth of the story. It's a story, yes. Oh, you know this story too. Oh, of course too. I do, yeah. I was so, there at the time. <laughs> 
Oh wait, wait. Then I'll tell. Then I got a different. Then you have might have a different story. Well, he, than he showed up. At the, he showed up the lady's house, the wrong place. Oh, okay. Well, you tell it then. And um, no, it's it's, <laughs> it's an urban legend now. And Is it true? Do you? Well, let's you say. Dave it, and told we'll the story, pick- so he you know, told the story. He right? told the story, okay, but well, he always embellished everything. But the, yeah, the, apparently it was a very true story, and he was hanging out with with Bob Dylan at that time, and uh, Dylan was was you know walking through Camden Town and. I think Dave was actually producing a video. I don't think he was actually recording him. Yeah. He was actually producing his video. Right. Um, but yeah, that is um, that was something that happened that Dave was, we were all like. So the story the story goes is that, uh, uh, the, my version of the story that I know is that Bob Dylan wants to drop in on Dave. <laughs> no, he was looking for the studio. He's looking for the church. He was looking for the church, but he knocks on a door and he gets the address wrong. So he knocks yeah. on the door and this old lady answers the door. That's right. And he goes... Oh, hello. It's Dave, though. Uh, it's Dave. Right. She goes, and she just happened to have a son called Dave who yep. was a plumber. And was he goes, like- no, he's out right now, but he'll be back soon. Would you I'm like to have a cup phone. of tea? Yeah. <laughs> Would you like to have a cup of tea? And he said, down having a cup of tea. And her son, Dave, the plumber, comes home after a hard day's plumbing. And, and uh, there's Bob Dylan sitting yeah. in his mum's living room having a cup of tea. No, I heard that story when apparently like two days after it was supposed to happen. But then David tells all kinds of weird right. stuff about, you know, the, the kind of ghosts that were in there, which there was, it was terrifying Some sometimes in there. We used to record in a part of the church, which was a crypt. Uh-huh. And literally there was a, a doorway where they used to take the dead bodies and take them under Crouch End to the cemetery. So, you know, there you are in the middle of the night trying to write songs and you're just like hearing bumps and all this kind of weird yeah. stuff. and. And there's all these like apparent orgies that were happening down the 17th and the you know 18th century. Going so yeah, and Crouch End's a very weird place. Well, uh, most of London is a very weird place if you go back far enough, because every single corner of London has something weird happening. Yeah, it does. You know, I'm always amazed at where where people do their shopping, where people got hung and yeah. drawn and quartered. Oh yeah, and there's <laughs> plague p- there's the plague pits. You know, World's End, which is in Chelsea. That's it's World's End because it was a huge plague pit. Ah, which in fact, World's End was where Vivian Westwood's yep. s- store was. Sex, S E X. That's right. That's, that's where right. the Sex Pistols started, and exactly. Malcolm McLaren, and all of that on uh, top the- of half a million plague corpses. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we have that in New York too. There's um, Washington Square Park, which is well, it's not half a million; it's only thirty thousand oh. uh, uh, dead people because it is was Pottersfield. Right? There's a hanging tree on the oh, corner really? of uh, Washington Square Park. I yeah. didn't know that. But I digress. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, Ooh. Dave Stewart could build the studio right there. Right, it'd be perfect. Or maybe you and I should. <laughs> you and I should build the studio. Or Radio Free right Brooklyn. There. Or Radio Free Brooklyn. Yeah. But no, so Dave Stewart, anyway, I think he's a, a hero of the 80s. He really uh, managed to last the whole thing. I'll tell you what I liked in the 80s. I what? liked um, um, all the. Uh, I always get into trouble when I bring this up because yeah. uh, I liked. All the uh, prog rockers uh, and the arty people doing pop music. So yeah, I will, I will have to say, I really dislike prog rock, yeah. and I really dislike Peter Gabriel era Genesis. I, I really don't. It's all okay. that conceptual mumbo jumbo, not for me. But I really do like that Phil Collins. I can't dance. Oh, <laughs> guilty pleasure. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, loud and proud. Yeah, not that guilty. Cecilia. I love CC. Fantastic. Really good, right? Really so, good. Yeah, yeah. In the 80s, you could not get away from Phil Collins. It was earlier Follow You, Follow Me, which was when Peter, when Phil Collins first took over vocals, which is also yeah. a classic. Yeah. Genesis, but where are you going with this, mate? 
Oh, where I'm going with this? Because I thought that... you were like. <laughs> yeah, you thought I was better than this, I... right? No, oh, that's fine. <laughs> thought I had better taste. No, it's than all good. Studio. No, I understand. No, there's nothing wrong with that. Great no, track. no, I, I understand. We're, we're, what we're, does we're, he mean? We're, we can't hang out anymore. Yes, we can. No, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Su Su Studio. Who knows? But actually, uh, for some reason, I went to Genesis to get to Bowie because ah. the other one that was doing great pop, I thought was David Bowie. Let's dance. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. And this one too. Uh, modern love yep uh let me get uh let me do this let's see if this works Fade it out. I've just seen the time. Oh my god, time! Oh. <laughs> Time's fun when you're having flies. Well, you've uh, been great. <laughs> if you have just tuned in, you have just missed sitting with Jan Luca uh, here at Radio Free. Brooklyn. I am Jan. Have been Jan Luke. I've been sitting with you since six pm. Uh, teens take the mic is on in a few minutes. Sitting with me today has been Tommy Jane James, host of Sally Can't Dance Fridays five pm. Two hours of great music. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been brilliant. So, so Tommy is on Instagram. What's your Instagram thing? To- Tommy James NYC. Tommy James NYC. My Instagram is sitting with GT. I also have an email uh, sitting with at radiofreebrooklyn.org. I'm going to sign off with playing uh, something by my uh, guest, Tommy Jane, James, um, from, is, is it called Religion? Yes. Is that right? Yeah, Freaks of Desire. Freaks of Desire and Religion. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you, Jean-Luc. Oh, oh let me get this on. Yes. <laughs> 